At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone uh, from Bowie City Church, First Christian Church, and anybody else that is watching. Uh, we glad you are here. I'm Dion Bolding, lead pastor of Bowie City Church. We are still here at First Christian Church. Very grateful to be here and welcoming, opening their church, uh, be able to do this together. Hopefully you are staying warm. Uh, I literally just took off my skull cap like two seconds ago because I'm a little, little chilly. It's not cold in here, but I'm a little cold. But we got through the snow and the ice, and it's going to be in the 50s, 60s on Wednesday. Come on, that's, that's, that's like praiseworthy hand clap. Like, God is good. You get a little relief from the snow. Uh, but this morning, we're not going to focus on that. We're going to continue in our series as we look at the question, where is the love? And so we're going to dive into that through the lens of family this morning. So I encourage you to get your family together. We will not be talking about uh, Song of Solomon this morning, like, Kind of touched on last week. Uh, I encourage you to get your kids together, your teenagers, young kids, everybody together as we go through this message. I believe it will touch everyone and have a part to play for everyone uh, this morning. We are going to move into a time of worship. And so I encourage you to get your phone out. I encourage you to share this with everyone. Share the message. Share that you're on Facebook. Share that you're on YouTube. Uh, share it out. It would be great. But we're going to turn our hearts and minds in worship and engaging this morning, we're going to sing this song, Cornerstone, that Christ alone is our cornerstone. So I encourage you to sing. Don't just sing the words as you know. Sing it as an expression of your love to, to God. So let's pray, and then we're going to move into a time of worship. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the great God you are. I hope you love us, Lord. And we thank you for your grace and mercy. And, Lord, we thank you that you, uh, even through the, the cold uh, that some of us are suffering through, Lord, especially those in the south, Lord, those who aren't used to having this kind of cold weather, Lord, that you would be with them, Lord, uh, that you would use your churches and use, um, use people to, to help meet the need down in Texas and Alabama and throughout the Midwest, Lord, as this cold, uh, cold spells really wreaking havoc on them, Lord. 
And Lord, as we turn our hearts and minds to you, that we would worship you in spirit and truth. That we would not be concerned about what's on our screen, what, what apps that we're going to be using. Um, that we would literally sing to you right where we are. If we are in our living rooms, in our kitchen, in our bedrooms, Lord, wherever it may be, that we would worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you for the Turpins continue to have provided videos for us, Lord. Be with them and their family. But Lord, be in the midst of us. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, come. Speak. That's all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.
Christ alone, amen, Christ alone is our cornerstone uh, this morning and every morning. Uh, so uh, thank you that we're able to sing that song, God is Good. As we move into this sermon, I uh, just wanted to give you guys a heads up. We might be having some sound issues. We think we've got to figure it out, so, but just go with us. Give us some grace as we continue to do this online and figure this out on the fly. Sometimes we have some technical issues. We pray against those that, uh, that won't have any other problems, but just want to give you a little heads up if you hear any sound things going on while we're preaching a sermon this morning. We are in the middle of a series entitled, Where is the Love? And we're asked that question based upon the month that we're in, February, Valentine's Day. is usually a time of rhythm within Bowie City Church where we look at love, look at romantic love, love between husband and wife, love of the world, love of family, love in general. And so we are asking that question, where is the love? Because it seems at times that it's lacking. So we say, okay, where, where's the love? And do a short recap last week. The first week we said, where's the love? The love is found fully in Christ. And the only thing that we owe to anybody, the Bible says, I'm not making this up. This is from the Bible. The only thing we owe every human being in this world is love. You don't owe them an explanation. You don't owe them an answer. You don't owe you know, money. Well, if you owe them money, pay them money. But what we do to them, oh, just because who they are, is love. So we have to get that right. And then last week, we talked about love of the family, but more specifically in marriage. And I preached about there's four seasons that happen within marriage, and I encourage you to go back and look at that message. If you're looking to get married, that you are married, or you're recovering from marriage, from a marriage, there's four seasons that God wants to make us whole in our relationships, especially when it comes to husband and wife. So go back and look at that. Hopefully, that would encourage you. And as we continue to look at family, we're going to look at more general family. And in that, the identity of us at Bowie City Church, and I know that First Christian Church echoes the same thing. It's this image on the screen that you're going to see that there's why we are who we are as a church. Is that we have the love of the family. That's why I'm wearing my red shirt today. The love of the family and the light of the church makes Orange. And so we consider ourselves an orange church. That's what that fully means to be an orange church, a church that you cannot get the color orange unless you have red and yellow. So we bring the love of the family and we get the love of the family right and we get the light of the church right. We will have this bright, vibrant orange, which is warm and welcoming. And that's who God calls it to be. The first two in- institutions that God created was the family. And the church, that is how he chooses to operate in this world where love is to be expressed and the light of God, the hope of the world is to be expressed through the church. And I'm excited to hear Jason preach on that next, next week about the love of the church and the light of the church and what, how we're supposed to operate and be. And when we get that right, there's nothing like the local church when it's working right. I'm not going to preach Jason's sermon. He's going to kill it. Uh, that's going to be next week. So I'm going to focus on the family. Where is the love? So I'm going to start off by asking these questions. How do people come to faith in Christ? And I encourage you to write it in the, in the chat box. How did you come to faith in Christ? How did you personally come to faith? How do people come to know who Jesus Christ is as their Lord and Savior? Maybe it's by attending Sunday school. Or maybe it was a conversation they may have had with a pastor. Maybe they attended church and they heard a sermon that moved them. Maybe it happened in pre-marriage counseling. You'd be surprised that sometimes people give a life to Christ in pre-marriage counseling, especially if you take it from me, because I'm going to 
I'm going to keep it about Jesus for sure. Maybe it was from a campus leader or a youth leader from their school or from their church group. Maybe it's that you saw somebody have a life changed and you said, I want the same thing. I saw them. They used to be this way and they're no longer that way. And I need that kind of thing happen in my life. Maybe that's how a person might come to Christ. Or maybe it's somebody's desperate call out as a last resort to God. They've tried everything under the sun and their life is still broken. And so they've turned to God as a last ditch effort and they give their life to Christ because of their life circumstances. Or maybe it was an argument that you were having that somebody was trying to convince you that Jesus, you need Jesus in your life. Put it this way, biblically speaking, the ultimate reason that a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ is the work of God in the individual mind and heart, in the individual mind and soul. Like, it's nothing that we do ourselves. It's it's nothing that I'm... I'm not doing anything magical. You're not doing anything special of yourself. It is God that does the work. It's the work of God in someone's life that changes their mind, that quickens in their mind and it quickens in their heart. It is the sowing of seed and the seed falling on good soil and that we do our part to help make the seed go, but we can't make the seed grow. We can't make somebody go from death to life. I call that the flipped life, like to flip from death to life, to go from lost to found to go from hate to love, to go from death to being able to hear, going from mute to being able to talk, going from blind to being able to see, going from sick to being healed, going from the hopeless to having hope. That has nothing to do within myself or any person. That is God that does that work. So biblically speaking, it is God that does that, that moves in the minds and the hearts and the souls of people to say, I need to change my life. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life, capital L, Lord. It says this in Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. It is grace and grace alone that saves you. We were dead in our sin can do nothing to save ourselves. We can't save anybody from an eternity separated from Christ and eternity separated from God. We cannot do it. We can't even save ourselves. It is Jesus Christ and the grace of God that has allowed us to be, have salvation, to be saved. See, God doesn't want to save us so that we become better people. God's not saving us so that we can be morally good. See, God raised us from the dead. Like, let us grasp that. It is not so you can be from a bad person to a good person. It is to actually go from death, like dead, dead as you stand, and to flip that to life, to be able to live. We don't become Christians, so we just become better Christians. That is not why Jesus died on the cross. That is not why the Father gave his only son. That is not why he sent the Holy Spirit to live and move within our lives. He gave it to us so that we can have life and to live. I love this passage in Titus. If you haven't read the book of Titus, I encourage you to read it. It's in the New Testament. It's a short book, but read Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, 5, and 7 says this. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy He saved us through the washing and the rebirth and the renewal by 
the Holy Spirit, who he had poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that so having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Come on, Titus, preach. Like, that is good stuff right there. That is like, yes, that is an amen. That is like, come on, read that again. That's good stuff. I encourage you to like read that passage, highlight it, have it marked in. That is that is it's through Jesus Christ, not because we've done anything. We're not right in our own. We're right in our own minds. But according to God's standard, we have fallen short. It's a spiritual thing. God, the father who is spirit and not restricted by body, moves in the lives of all of those and those that receive him have new life. It's an inward thing with that outward expression in everything. God shows us through our circumstances. He shows us in our inner feelings. He shows us by trying to make sense of this world that we experience, that his presence is moving in us and in our lives. And that's not where it ends. It can't end there, right? It can't. There's more to it. See, what is the job of those who've experienced this? What's the job of those who are saved? So we play a huge role, a vital role, a vital part in this, in, in this work that God has for us to do. We are the found ones, and our job is to go and find others. It's a core value of who we are as Bowie City Church. And I know First Christian Church echoes the same thing. Found, found people, find people. Found, we, we as the found ones go and find those who need to be found, those who need to have a flipped life, those that need a life flipped in Christ, we go out. We are the harvesters. We are the messengers of Christ. We are the light bearers. We are the ones that the hands of feet that bring the gospel to those who need to hear it. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, Christ. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That end of that sentence, we implore you, as Paul is saying, we, we the believers, are imploring you, church in Corinth, we're imploring you to be reconciled with God. Like that you become in right standing with God, that you would come to God and have this restoration happen in your life. I implore you, do you understand that you are an ambassador of Christ, you are someone who carries the banner that's saying, this is who Jesus is, and I'm going to live and love the way he's called me to love and come to him and see that you have life, and you will have it to its fullest. I say all that to ask this question. Where is the love and the family? And you might be scratching your head, say, what does everything you have to say? That's good stuff. Like, I'm over here, amen, yes, yes, me too, like I'm in. And now you pivot and go, but where's the love of the family? They, they tie so closely together. They are together. This is what makes love and the family actually work. And how is that? How does it actually work? It starts with sharing Christ. Church, if we're going to get love right in our family, it starts with sharing Christ within our family. There are families that love each other who have nothing to do with Christ. They're not a Christian. They may be atheists or some other religion or just nothing at all. They don't believe anything. They're not hard up about it. But they share Christ is how you truly find out what love is in your family. That you share the gospel within your family. That you live the gospel in front of your family. 
I want all of you to listen to me. Jason, go ahead and switch it to the close camera. So I'm going to listen to me. Everybody listen to me. Because I have something to ask you. Are you showing love in your family? Are you showing love to your family? Look, it's not good enough to say that they know I love them. It's not good enough to even just say the words, I love you. I'm not, that, that's good. Like, you need to say that. But we cannot stop there. I'm asking you each person, from the oldest person to the youngest person that understands what I'm saying, do you show your family love? And how are you doing in showing your family that you love them? Are you showing your family Christ-like love? It's a heavy question, but that is where we start, and it starts with sharing Christ with your family. I found some statistics. This statistically says this, that the number one way that someone comes to faith is through a conversation with a family member. The number one way. I'm not saying the only way. The number one way. Out of 100 people polled, 43 people, 43% said they found salvation because a family member spoke to them about Jesus. The next number is more than three times the closest one. The closest next one is 17%. It's co-worker. And then 15% are friends. You add up those numbers together, you get 75. 75% of people come to Christ by a family member, a co-worker, or a friend. Now, a lot of people, they would not think that. They would say they come to Christ through a sermon. By coming to hear a person like you, Dion, by, by going to an event, by going to having a mentor, by going to a concert, going to camp, like they give their life to Christ that way. And that is not the case. People give their life to Christ three out of four times from somebody they know. And the biggest, the highest priority, the number that is three times more likely it's through a family member. And so I ask you this. Would you consider speaking about Jesus in your family? Would you talk about Jesus in your family? Would you strike up a conversation with those who are the most important people to you in your family? Would you bring your family to church, where you make sure that everybody that's in your household is in front of a screen, if you're not going to church, if you're part of this, what we're doing here at Bowie City and First Christian, that you make sure they're all in front of a screen. I know if I was at my parents' house, my dad carried this as me and my house, we serve the Lord. And that was, if you don't want to serve the Lord, yeah, get up out this house. Like, my dad was going, like, this is what we do here. Will you bring them to church? Will you put them in front of a screen? Will you Bring them to youth group. Will you put them, have them come to encourage them to be a part of a Bible study? Will you have them ask questions so they can be answered? I encourage you to talk about Jesus in your family. The more you talk about Jesus, the more love you end up seeing, the more understanding you will have, the more the more conversation you have, the more you feel like you're coming closer together as you pursue Christ. Share 
Jesus within your family. Like, remember the reasons why you believe Christianity was true. And really think how Jesus saved you. I encourage you to share your testimony with your family. I remember when my brother, my younger brother, my, all my family went to Bowie State University. Everyone but me. I know. I went to Bible college. I know. But they all went to Bowie State. So I remember my brother uh, being freshman, sophomore at Bowie State, homecoming, whatever it may be. And I don't really know all the details of the story, but somehow my dad came up in conversation. And there were some older guys who went to school with my dad back in the 70s when my dad went to Bowie State. And my brother was hearing these conversations of, like, my dad's experience on campus. And my brother was like, what? Like, my, like kind of like, la, 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 I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. I want to hear this. My dad did not give it. He, he lived the, the typical college life. I'm not, I'm not throwing my dad on the bus. He would tell you. He was he, didn't, he wasn't a Christian then. He was doing whatever other college student was doing in the 70s. So my brother came home and was like, Dad, like, how come I got to hear this stuff from your friends that you went to school with back in the, in the 70s when you went to Bowie State? And my dad's like, I don't, I don't want to share those kind of things with you. Like, I'm not proud of those things. But my brother was saying, Dad, I, I want to hear your story. I want to hear your full story. Like, share, like, what you went through. But my dad was like, I'm not giving you details of what I went through. But he sat this down. He said, all right, let me tell you. He gave us his testimony. And we were kind of like, Dad, really, you? He's like, "Uh, yeah. I remember my mom. I remember we were kids. And my mom has been a Christian my whole life. All I know is my mom's going to be a Christian. But I remember when she told us that of the guy that she was dating for my dad, and she thought she was going to marry this guy. And I remember us in the backseat, like, looking at each other, like, What? There was another man before dad. My mom was like, yeah, like, I thought I was going to marry that guy. She's like, then I met your father, and, you know, God, God was like, this is the man for him, and I prayed for him, and I prayed for him, and I was like, whoa. And share your story. Share your testimony. Mom and dad, share your testimony with your kids. Do you, do, husband and wife, do you, you guys know each other's come to Christ's story? Were you involved in it when you were teenagers, or do you know when they came to Christ, if they have not come to Christ, that you pray that they do? Ask them about what struggles you have. Ask them, like, what, what's your favorite story about Jesus? What did Jesus say about taxes? What did Jesus say about love? What did Jesus say about marriage? What did Jesus say about backstabbers? What did Jesus say about prayer? What did Jesus say about, about worshiping God? What did Jesus do that just blew your mind? What did Jesus not do? You were like, how come Jesus didn't, like, have these questions about, talk about Jesus. Let it be in the family that Jesus talked about a lot from when they're small to when you're older. Share your testimony, especially with your children. Share your story with the people who, should, who are the most important people in your life. Share your story with the ones who need to hear it the most. See, it doesn't make sense that God would use the closest people to us for them not to have the most influence in our lives. Of course, the people who have the most influence in our lives are the closest to us. I'm a Washington football fan because my dad was a Washington football fan and my grandfather and my brother. I like to work out because I saw my dad work out. It was who he was. I, I like musicals and Disney movie, Disney because of my mom. I like Oprah because of my mom. Like, I, the food I like is because of what my parents, like, they, the people who are in my household 
the reason why I like something or don't like something because their influence on my life. The person who should have the most influence in your home about Jesus should be from your family, and that should weigh heavy on you. If your kids push against or if your spouse pushes against because of how you lack the love of Christ, that would be a hard thing to carry. But if you are loving them and you're saying, I'm going to be Christ to them, they have no other thing to say, my mom and dad, my, my brother and sister, they just love me. Even when I was mean, even when I was a jerk, I didn't want anything to do with that. They love me the way Jesus says they love. Who was Jesus before you came to God? Who was he to you? Who are you hoping Jesus to be in your life? Who does God want you to speak to them about him in your life, especially within your family? See, God uses the gospel you know, the life and death of Jesus Christ to call people to repentance and for them to accept him as his Lord and Savior. And that should happen first within the family. Now, I know it doesn't always. That's picturesque, right? The whole family would give him to Christ and live according to Christ. But that's not what happens. I remember there was a family early on when we were first starting a church or first couple years in a church. This whole family got baptized. Well, all the kids did, from the oldest to the youngest. And it was like, everybody was crying. It was like, it was a Hallmark moment, like a movie could be made about it. Like, we all went that, where all our kids are like, yay, God. And the mom and dad are like, yes, God. And we're walking this life, even with trouble. But even in that, there's good. their kids struggle. Even in that, the parents, the, the husband and wife, they have their own personal issues. They have things that happen in their life. We know trouble will come. But it does not mean that the love of Christ stops the love of Christ actually brings it together when struggle happens. See, the studies are showing almost up to 80% of people come to Christ in faith because of a friend or a family member who spoke to them. And out of these categories, out of the family of friends, it more than triples the friends of the influence of a family member when it comes to Christ. So where's the love in the family? It has to start with Christ. You have to yourself, how well am I doing in being Christ to everyone in the four walls and the two, two parts of the roof that make the pitch in that household of you being to your family? Are you showing Christ's love to your family? And then outside of your family, maybe inside of your immediate family, but maybe outside of it, who in your family do you need to reach out to with the love of Christ, with the gospel, with being the hands and feet of the gospel to them? Who do you need to talk to in your family about God on a weekly or monthly basis? This is a lasting impact when the most influential people in your life are getting their life right with Christ. I'll share this story, this testimony before I read the scripture. I vividly remember my dad giving his life to Christ. I was six years old. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember how our house changed. Just the feel of it. My dad wasn't a bad guy. He was like every other typical dad that was not a Christian. He was being a good guy, being a good dad. But I just remember things changed. The feel of the house changed. And I can remember my dad walking down. And in hindsight, I can remember guys from the church coming over to the house. And they were sharing Christ with my dad. And they were talking, I don't know what they were talking about, but I remember just guys from the church that we were going to coming, I'm like, oh, my dad's friends are here. But now I know they were talking to my dad about Jesus. 
And my mom had been praying for my dad. And, and then their marriage, and it just changed. And though I gave my life to Christ at 10, at a fire and brimstone message, like the, the pastor was like slamming on like the whole like, like burn, like the whole thing. I was like, <gasps> I remember it's not that that gave my life to Christ. It was my dad. Because so I went to my dad and said, I want to go to heaven. And I walked down the aisle just like my dad did. And I gave my life to Christ. And then I backed out from baptism because I was scared. And then I went back and did it. But I remember that distinctly. I remember my dad being commissioned in to being a deacon. I can remember it, like, vividly. He had a blue suit on. He had a, he had a flower pinned to him. Like, so impactful in my life. And that had happened in my home. Though I had youth leaders, though I've had mentors, though I've had people who poured into, like, did, like, hardcore Bible studies with me. My dad didn't do hardcore, like, deep theological Bible studies with me as a teenager. But he's the most influential Christian person in my life. It was my dad. And I want to be the same thing for my family, for my kids. And I want you to be the same thing for your family, for every dad, for every mom, for every kid to say, I'm an impact in my family. I'm an example of what Christ loved. It says this in Romans 10, 14 to 17. I love this passage when it comes to sharing the gospel and being the gospel. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome saying, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But not all Israelites accept the good news. It is for Isaiah said, Lord, who have believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Oh, church, that your family would hear the message about Christ within your four walls and within your car and within conversations that your kids are overhearing and within your interactions and within you going to be the hands and the feet and serving together and mission opportunities, and loving your neighbor, and your kids are seeing it, and your wife are seeing it, and their husband is seeing it, and your siblings are seeing it, because you're saying, we are sharing Christ. And we may not, we may not get it right all the time, but let that be the most impact. How will they know? How will they know if you're not being Christ to them? From the wayward grandson, the wayward granddaughter, to the wayward son and daughter, the wayward brother or sister, to the wayward mom or dad, or the wayward husband or wife, How would they not know if we don't continue to have the message of Christ on the tip of our tongue and the forefront of our mind? That is where love is within the family. We have to go public with our faith. We have to say, I'm going to be that. We're going to be the family that's going to show we are Christians. We are about this book. We're about that life, as the teenager says, as the kids say. We're about that life. Like, I'm about this book. And my family's going to show that and my family doesn't want to show it, I'm going to keep living it. Me and my wife are going to. And we pray that our children will go to it. I pray that your children go to it and your grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, and on and on and on, that you have generations of families of believers who say they walk in faith and not by sight, and they express the love of Christ within their family. We have to go public with that. You take that, go public. You exercise a little courage and the seeds are planted and the harvest is produced regardless of you get to see the results or not. 
You keep praying for your grandson, your granddaughter. You keep praying for your nieces and nephews. You keep praying for your aunts and uncles. You keep praying for your family members. You may not ever see them to come to Christ. You may not, but you're sowing seed. You're saying, I'm going to show the love of Jesus within this family, and you'll get to heaven. And within heaven, somebody may come up to you and say, thank you. And you say, why are you thanking me? Because you shared Jesus with your nephew. And then your nephew shared Jesus with this person. And this person shared Jesus with that person. And that is how I became to faith. So thank you. And the ripple effect of you sharing Christ's love within your family is immense. And your kids may not get it right right now. They may not get it right when they're elementary, middle school, and high school, and college. And you may not get it right right now in your marriage. But you keep walking in faith. You keep surrounding yourself with believers. You keep getting that people get around you. And you say, I'm striving to live the life that God's called me to live. And God says, I will take care of the rest. And people are watching. I heard this thing said on, the, on, on, uh, on Facebook, and that was a great statement. Oh, man, it says, you may get, if you post a picture, post a comment, post something on Facebook, you may get 10 likes. But you put something on your stories. You put something in Instagram stories, Facebook stories, and you get 50, 60 views. What does that say? It's just that people may not like you, but they're watching you. They may not like what you got to say. They may not like what you got to show, but they are watching you. This is so true in the home. Your spouse may not like everything you have to say, especially if you're speaking truth, not like you said the wrong thing. I wouldn't like to hear the wrong thing either. But if you're speaking truth, you may not like to hear it at times. I don't like to hear it when my wife comes to me and speaking truth. It stings. But I know they're watching me. I know my wife knows I'm watching her. My kids know that we are watching them, and we know that they're watching us. So let us show the love of Christ in the midst of us. Answering the question, where is the love? We have to be public with it. We cannot hide it. We cannot doubt it. We cannot just not not live the life God's called. We, we must. We're called to. And there's nothing like getting the love of the family right. Even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. I found this story about Chris Pratt. You guys know who Chris Pratt is? There's no picture of him, but if you can think of, I know Chris Pratt from two things. He's an actor from Parks and Recs and MCU. Okay, Parks and Recs is a TV show. MCU is not a college, Okay. MCU is Marvel Cinema, Marvel, Marvel Cinema Universe, okay? MCU is not like some college somewhere, okay? So Marvel movies, you know, superhero movies. Chris Platt plays a character in it called Peter Quill. Peter Quill is part of the Garden of the Galaxies. I'm not going down that path, but that's who he is, okay? All right, so get to know who that guy is. All right, so in Peter Quill's testimony, he came to Christ in Hawaii when he was living in Hawaii. He came to Christ outside of a grocery store. Why was he waiting outside of a grocery store? He was waiting for somebody to bring a beer out to him. And why was he outside? Why didn't he go in and buy his own beer? Because he was underage, so he had paid somebody older to go in to get a beer for him. He was waiting outside. And while he was waiting outside, a perfect stranger walked up to him and said, Jesus told me to come tell you about him. And at that moment, right there, Chris gave his life to Christ outside of a grocery store waiting for a beer as an underage drinker. And that's like, like, whoa. And it should be that easy, right? 
It should be that easy just to go, God told me to come tell you about Jesus, and I'm going to tell you about Jesus, and they get saved. Like, that's, that's what we want. The next time you go up to the drive-thru, you're like, I'm going to tell this person about Jesus, and in the drive-thru, while I'm waiting for my food, they're going to give their life to Christ. Like, that's what we want. It should be that easy. It should be that easy to talk to other people about the most influential person of all time in your life. But what makes it difficult is when he's not the most influential person in your life. It's hard to talk about the love of Jesus when you're failing to feel the love of Jesus in your life. It's hard to talk about the love of Jesus when when you don't surround yourself with people who are talking about Jesus. It's hard to express that love of Jesus when you're not immersing yourself in the love of Jesus. It's hard for your family to feel that love of Jesus when you're not saying we're going to do everything we can for the love of Christ to be in our family, for us to express it first within the four walls. That's what makes it difficult. It says this in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith, not anything of yourself, but as a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, crafted in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared for us beforehand to walk in them. It's hard to share Christ when you don't have him. It's hard to feel it. It's hard to sense it. When it's not the priority of your family, you may want it, and that's why the question is asked, where is the love? And it starts first by sharing that within the family and getting that right within the family. But where do we start to share the love in the family? Okay, we get it. We get it, Dion. Like, it is through faith. It's through Jesus Christ. We take that and we share it. But what does that look like in the family? And there's so many avenues we can go in answering this question. I'm just going to stick to two of them. Because I believe if you get these two right, the rest of them kind of fall in line when it talks about where's the love in the family. So I'm going to ask you a question. The question is this. How long has it been since you tried a little kindness in your family? Like just being kind. Being kind to your spouse, being kind to your children, to your brother, to your sister, to your parents, especially to your parents. But when's the last time you exercise some kindness in your family? When was the last time you put into action when it pertains to your family? In short words, be kind. Now, look, I know if you were watching any daytime TV, you've seen that phrase said. You probably watched more daytime TV than you ever have since last year, since we've been home more. Ellen DeGeneres says it all the time, and I didn't take it from her. I got it from the Bible. Be kind. I just read about it. Read about it a couple, couple passages ago. Be kind. Kindness is entangled expression of love in your heart. It's the tangible expression of love in your heart, of the love that you say you have, love expressed through the actions that are speaking loudly within your home. We must bring action to our family when it comes to love. And I'm telling you to start with kindness. Men, is not good enough. It's not enough to just tell your wife that you love her. Show her. Now, it's important to tell her that you love her. It's important to say those things. But it's even more important to show it. Your actions speak louder words in your home, men. What kind of message are you expressing to your children about how you love your wife and how your wife loves you? 
wives, how you love your husband, what kind of expression of kindness are your kids seeing? Siblings, what kind of expression of love are you giving to each other? I know, siblings get each other's nerves. I have my own too, my own two brothers. And we got on each other's nerves, just on purpose. I'm going to say, I'm going to press your buttons, and I'm going to figure out today how many buttons you have to press. It's just going to be one of those days, ready, set, go. Like, it's just like, I get it, siblings, it happens. But where can you extend kindness to each other? Where can you extend kindness back to your parents? In other words, put your love into action. I'm going to tell you it starts with being kind. It says it in 1 Corinthians 13. It's not on your screen. Love is kind. Let's start there. We can put so much more love into our families if we start with kindness. Our families would be so much more happier, so much more full of joy, we have so much more sense of fulfillment, regardless of what's going on in your life and the chaos and the trying to understand what's going on within school, within work, within relationships, with the finances, with the, the government, with the stock market, everything that's going on with your health. If we anchor in, in all of that, I'm going to be kind. Even if your personality is of a little sharper edge, what if we dull that edge a little bit with some kindness? Because if you practice kindness, the next thing I'm going to say is that we need to do forgiveness. It says this in Ephesians 4, 31 into chapter 5 and 2. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walking in love as Christ loved us and gave, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In their passage, there's a lot going on in that passage. And we know that Paul here, if you know, this is a letter to the church in Ephesus, I can't say it, and the Ephesian church, I'm just going to say that because I'm going to keep stumbling over it. We know that Paul wrote that to that church and it applies to us as a family of believers. So Jason could use that verse if he wanted to, but that's, he's talking about church people in this. But this applies to the family, probably first and foremost. So in your family, put Ephesians 4.31 and 5.2 in it. Let all bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and slander, put that away and all sorts of malice in your family. In your family, be kind to one another. In your family, be tenderhearted to one another. In your family, forgive one another. Just as God has forgiven you. In your family, be imitators of God. In your family, live as beloved children. In your family, walk in love as Christ has loved you and gave himself up for you as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Do that in your family. We must put forgiveness into action as well, church. We must be kind and we must forgive. We must. I'm telling you, if we can get these two things right, if we can move the needle in getting this to the green and out of the red and more closer to a full tank, we will be getting this right and we would sense the family changing from the inside out. So let me ask you a question. Do you know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is, is not going to be a string, but forgiveness is a gift in which the injured party suffers 
They surrender the right to get back. Even when the one who's done them wrong doesn't deserve it. See, they forfeit the right to strike back. And they're willing to instead let go and restore the relationship with the one that they love. See, forgiveness is not for that person. It is for you. See, when you're not able to forgive, you stay in that place of where that hurt happened. And you stay there. Though you may be aging, that moment is still back there. See, forgiveness is an ongoing process. They ask Jesus, how many times should we forgive our brother? And Jesus says, 70 times 7. Like, a lot of times. Like, keep forgiving over and over and over and over and over. Why? Because that is how you're forgiven. Oh, Jesus says that the Father forgives you, remembers your sins no more as far as the east is from the west. We know the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. It says that love keeps no record of wrongs, keeps no parents. We got to stop keeping the record of the wrong with our children. Children, you got to stop keeping the record of wrongs to your parents. Siblings, you got to stop keeping the record of wrongs with each other. And you have to move in forgiveness. I'm, I, I, I did one of the most disrespectful things I did as a kid to my dad. I'm still here. I'm still here. He didn't kill me. I thought he was. I was like, I'm dead. I'm, I'm dead. You're like, what did you do that young? I told my dad to shut up. Like legit at the top of my lungs. You die I know it was, I had an out of body experience. It's not something I would, that's not in my personality, but I did. I've shared this story before early on at Bowie City Church, but I did. I told my dad to shut up from the top of the stairs in my parents' house in the foyer. It echoed. The whole house shook. I screamed it as loud as I could. And my dad flew up the stairs. I don't think he touched the stair. He went from the bottom platform to the top of the stairs. He was nose to nose to me. And thank God for moms because she just slid right in between the both of us. And she just said, she looked at my dad. It was like, Dion, go to your room. So I went to my room. And my dad's steam is coming out of his ears, like smoke is coming from his nostrils. He is sweat, like my dad is so mad. He is so mad. And my mom does what my mom does, you know. She she looked up my dad and she quotes to him Colossians 3. Now, Diane, you know you're not supposed to provoke your children to wrath. And he's like, he like, he's like looking through her. Like I could feel like I could feel him staring at me through the wall. And she goes to me and says, Diane, you know, you know, you know what Deuteronomy 20 says? You know what it says? Children, obey your parents, but this is right in the Lord. Honor your mother, father. My mom comes with scripture. Of course she does. But why, why do I bring up that story? My dad never once, I'm the one that brings it up because it was very traumatic because I'm still alive. My dad never once held it over my head. He never said, you can't do this because you told me shut up yesterday. He actually came in later and apologized. He couldn't apologize right then. He was still mad. He, I don't know where he went. And he came in and he's like, he told me first, I would I did wrong. Would you ever say that to me again? Would you ever disrespect me that way again? And I was still shaking in my little boots. I was like 10 to 12 years old. But he said, I, I can't do that to you either. I can't bring you to the point where you're going to lash out like that. So he, he apologized as well. But he never, the next day said, well, you can't do this because you did this. He just removed, like, removed it. He forgave me as his son. And I forgave him as my dad. We have to do that. We have to live in forgiveness with our with our family members, especially our family members. 
we know that it's a very difficult thing to do is forgiveness. We tend to hold on to it. We tend to cling to pain. We tend to desire the actions of seeing that person hurt as much as you hurt. We desire that get back. We desire that Medea. I'm going to get you before you get me kind of attitude. So many times when we voice, we have forgiveness. That we need forgiveness. It starts with us forgiving that offended party. We harbor these feelings of resentment towards them. Kids harbor their resentment towards their parents because the parents won't let them do what the parents don't understand. They resent their parents. And parents start resenting their children because their children are just acting out, just won't do what they know they're supposed to do. And we harbor resentment towards spouse each other because they're not doing what we feel like they should do. They've hurt me so bad. And I'm not telling that you need to get out of a bad situation where there's abuse happening. And I'm not, I'm not talking on that level. I'm talking about living life and living in forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard, church. It's a hard thing to do. It's an act of letting go and letting relationships to be restored. And mutual respect and mutual love and mutual understanding from both people, from parent to child, child to parent, sibling to sibling, spouse to spouse, the whole unit. That is how it works. It is hard teaching, but it's very difficult for us to do, especially when we don't have Christ at our center. The scripture tells us if we're not willing to forgive others, God is not willing to forgive us. Let that sit in for those who say that they're followers of Christ. Yet you cannot forgive something that happened to you or didn't happen to you. or You've been let down. You can't forgive it. Why should God forgive you? We've wronged him more than any, any, we are the all chief sinners in our, in our own right. Broke one sin, broke one law, broke them all. Now, I believe there are many ways that we can increase this practice of love in our families. But this act of forgiveness is possibly the hardest one to do. But if you're able to do it, as believers, if we're able to fully trust in the Holy Spirit, who God is in our life, who poured out his love onto us and into our hearts, we can forgive as we should forgive. It says this in Romans 5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope does not put on shame. We move in hope. We move in love. We move in patience. Like hope gives us that ability to move forward. That hope of Christ, that love and forgiveness that Christ gives us, I'm going to extend the same thing to you because I know what it means to not, to know that I should not be forgiven, to wrong someone. God forgave me. Therefore, I should live and move in a way of forgiving you. And I'm talking about from the little five-year-old forgiving your brother or sister for doing something silly or hurting you, hurting your feelings, taking something from you, to the extreme of a separate broken relationship within the home. Start with forgiveness. If we can increase our love within the family, if we need to love God more because we need him more in our lives, let us focus on multiplying and increasing the love in our families we must start letting go. We must start being kind. We must realize that God and God alone is the only one who can truly help us to get this kind of love 
within the family. Really, if you want to love yourself and love your family and all those around you, you as a Christian, you must surrender fully and truly and totally and completely to God. That's the only way we will get the love of the family right. Dads, there are four types of love. I said it last week. There's Eros love, that physical attraction love, that storage love, that natural care kind of love, that phileo of, that friendship kind of love, and that agape love, that sacrificial, unconditional love. Dads, are you showing all four kind of loves to everyone in your house, starting with your wife to the kids? Dads, are you physically showing your kids love? Are you showing that care kind of love? Are you showing that like you're a friendship kind of love? Not that you're your friends. My parents always made sure. Don't get it twisted. I'm not one of your little friends. I remember my mom saying that with the head movement and everything. I'm not one of your little friends. But are you, are you friends to your kids? And do they know that you have this sacrificial love for them? Same thing for everybody else in the family, from the wife to the kids. Are you expressing those four kind of loves within the family? See, this morning, I know you know the Bible calls dads, fathers, to be the leaders in the family. You're called to lead your family in love and put it into action. Are you willing to do this, dads? Are you willing to do this, moms? Are you willing to do this, children, siblings? To live the life that God has called us to live and to love the way he's called us to love within the family. Are you striving to be the husband that you want to be? Are you striving to be the mom you want to be? Are you striving, and not the one you want to be, the one that God wants for you to be. Are you striving to be that, that son, that daughter, that brings honor to your parents? Not because of that's what you want, but because that's what the Bible says to do. Are you striving to live and, and to bring harmony within your household? That you're saying, as it says in Romans 12, as far as it depends on me, I will live at peace. In this house, I would do my part to bring peace, to bring love, to bring forgiveness, to bring kindness in this family. Even when I fail, I will seek and ask for forgiveness. This morning, you heard about love. You want that love to increase in your family. Start with Christ. It starts with Christ. Today, you heard that that same love that was demonstrated to, through God's son, Jesus Christ, was given to you. God loves you. He wants you to be a part of his family. This morning, if you want, if you don't have this relationship with Jesus, I can promise you that if you want to give love right, you must have Jesus in your life front and center. Surrender to him. That you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he has risen from the dead. You will be saved. It starts with him fully, completely trusting in him. But this morning, he's calling you to come and love your family. He's calling you to step out and accept. I get this wrong at times. I don't love my family the way I'm supposed to. I don't start with Christ's love. I don't share, I don't really share my, we don't talk about Jesus enough in my family. I'm not leading by example enough in my family. I'm not really forgiving my family members the way I should. I'm really not being kind the way that I should. If you're willing to allow God to come and take control of your life, you will start to see the love in your family 
change and move closer to what God really wants us to do and be. But it starts with us first surrendering all to God. Where is the love of the family? It starts with sharing Christ in every way within the family. Let us pray. God, I thank you for the great God you are, for your grace and your mercy. And I thank you for family, God. I thank you that it is the institution that you designed. And God, you have a formula to make it work right. We can read your word and say, here's the formula of having family to work right. And even when the family's working right, does not mean that troubles will not come. Even when the family is anchored in the foundation of you, the wind will blow. The rains will come. The flood waters will rise. But the family shall stand firm if they're anchored in you, fully in you, living in truth. Now let that be so for every family representing and hearing this live on the replay, for every family within First Christian Church, for every family within Bowie City Church, Lord, that they'll be fully devoted followers with you as a family, that they would, that they would fully embrace as me and my house, we will serve the Lord and not just be words that have been said, but words that they put into practice and it starts with love. Holy Spirit, come and lead and convict from the leader of the home, from the father figure, from the dad in the home, to the newest born child in the, in the household, let come and convict, bring conviction. Let us talk about Jesus more. Let's talk about the Bible more. Let us love more. Let's be kind more. Let's forgive more. Holy Spirit, thank you. As you continue to do your work from this point forward and bringing the family together and that we would not have to ask the question where the love is, when we say the love of the family is within Jesus Christ. That's all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. As we... Awesome, awesome, awesome. This is just an opportunity to extend your, your worship. Uh, it's an opportunity to, to give. And so when you give, it is not you don't give to a church, you give through a church. So this is the moment that we take in the service to say we continue to worship as we worship in song, we worship in, in, in word, we're going to worship in giving our tithes and offering to God. And so we're just going to go over some ways that you're able to do that uh, this morning. If you're with Bowie City Church or First Christian Church, you call that your church home. We have two ways you can give, easy ways through text message. So I'm going to give you the text message number. If you're First Christian Church, it's 301-970-3646. Text the word give. There's going to be instructions that will be sent to you through via text message. And then that's a way that you can give. At Bowie City Church, the phone number is 
four, five, six, five. Again, is this an easier way to give since we're not here in person and you're not able to bring your tithes or offerings in person here at First Christian Church? This is a simple, simplified way to do that. You also can go to Bowie City Church uh, and your website and First Christian Church website. They both, both websites, both churches have ways you can give online there. Or you can download an app called Tithely, T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y. Uh, you look up Bowie City Church and you can give through an app there. Or you can do old school snail mail, both mailing addresses at the bottom of the websites. You can mail in your tithes and offering there. But no, this is an extension, an opportunity to continue to give and worship. Uh, for us at Bowie City, we give 30% of what's given set aside so you can do missions and to do things in the city, uh, in the surrounding areas, from here to parts of the world that we cannot go physically. We help others there go who've been called. And so we operate off 70% and we give 30% away, which is a lot of churches don't do that, but that's what we're called to do. And so we gladly do that and happily do that. So give as you felt led to give. That's just part of that service for you to do so. Um, and give joyfully. Give as God has led you to give. As we wrap up uh, our service today online, thank you guys for being a part. We're going to close in worship. Before we do that, let you know we do have opportunities throughout the week to meet virtually for different age groups or wherever you may fall. We have Wednesday night women's Bible study that is uh, via Zoom. Um, if you want that link, just go ahead and email at hello at Bowie City Church and we'll get that link to you. We have virtual prayer meeting here at First Christian Church. If you want to be part of that virtual prayer meeting, go to their website, you can email them, and they will get you that link to you. We have virtual youth group happens on Friday nights via Zoom. Again, if you want your child to be a part of that, I thank for all the kids that come apart. I am acting youth pastor right now, but we do that on Friday nights. And then Saturday mornings, we also have men's Bible study. So there's opportunities to hang out virtually um, as, as a family. We have two churches coming together. We're going to close our time in worship. We ask you to engage again. Be safe, be well, uh, enjoy the warm weather coming this week, and work on expressing love in your family. Be kind, have forgiveness. We selected the song on purpose because it's the whole Turpin family leading us in a, word, uh, in a worship this morning. And so uh, enjoy this, worship along, and we will see you sometime this week. God bless. Thank you.